Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live, kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. Today with Miss Liz Robbins. Liz, I can't tell you what a pleasure this is. Known you for so many years. We are with the Garland County Historical Society, which is commonly referred to as the what? GCHS? No, the Garland County Hysterical Society. That's oh, what you people call it. it. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And it is pretty hysterical around here a lot of times. Well, you know, and you y'all have such interesting people. I mean, seriously, there's a lot of 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 of, uh, of uh, volunteers that come and help. But it is a nonprofit. You're a five hundred one c three, right? Yes, we are, and we don't get any government funding. We're supported by the community by membership fees. Uh, sales of our books and products, donations, some grants occasionally. So uh, we're we're um, supported by the community. Well, tell me what kind of books. I, I have an idea, but what kind of books and and products? I mean, it's a it's a it's a uh, it's an association. How do you how do you fundraise with that? What what's the the story there? Oh well, we publish a book like we've published the wonderful historian Orville Albritton's. Books like uh, The Mob at the Spa, Dangerous Visitors, Hot Springs Gunsmoke, Lawman, which is about Sheriff Clay White. Uh, we publish them, and then, of course, uh, we we sell them. Now, Hot Springs and, Gunsmoke, uh, you got me at Gunsmoke. What's that? Is that the one at the corner of Prospect uh, and Central? Oh, I don't, I don't see it, but it's the one that comes before Dangerous Visitors. <clears throat> it tells about the early days, and Hot Springs has this credible law enforcement history, or you could say, you know, it's Wild West days, like the uh, when uh, Jesse James and the Cole Younger game came here and robbed the stagecoach, or the 1899 big shootout on Central Avenue, which killed more people than the gunfight at OK Corral, but what was 
odd about it, it was a fight between the police department and the sheriff's department, which is yeah. a whole strange, interesting story that left several men dead on Central Avenue. And just lots of interesting events in our history. And uh, uh, Orville, who just, just passed uh, in January, was a fabulous historian and a wonderful storyteller. So his books are particularly popular. Yeah, and we hated uh, to see him go. He was a fantastic author uh, and and, and a, 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 a source of information on everything. And what was so great about him was that he was determined that if he wrote something down or said it, he could document it. There's really? so many oh yeah, there's so many myths and legends and stories about Hot Springs history that float around. And uh some of them, you know, not too not not too accurate or can't be pinned down. But if Orville put it in a book, he had double checked sources, he had looked through endless copies of microfilm and newspapers, he'd gotten police records, he Wow. He didn't. He didn't say it happened unless he could prove it happened. So you well, can rely on the historical accuracy of it. Yeah, but that's not as much fun as just making stuff up. Come on, <laughs> that's true, and people do love to do that about they, hot springs. They do. We we we're still trying to kill that story that there's a secret tunnel between the Arlington Hotel and the Southern Club across the street that Al Capone built so he could secretly get from the Arlington to the Southern Club, and of course that. That's probably the biggest, well, but, but biggest story out there. That, but here's of course, the deal. never happened. It's, it's based on a, a good nearer truth. <laughs> and that is, there is one that goes from wherever the little photography shop is to the Southern shop. You know, there was an underground bowling alley and, and two doors yes, down, there but, was the but, Southern club, but it, it, it didn't it go didn't under the a, Arlington. It didn't have a, it didn't have a tunnel that went all the way across Central Avenue. No, no. It just had a little outlet to Hot Springs Creek, of course, well, there's a tunnel going down Central Avenue that way. Well, when when did they build the tunnel for Hot Springs Creek? Roughly what year? 1883 to 1884. So it would have been merely impossible for Al Capone to have crossed because he would have gone through the creek, right? Yes, he would have had to tunnel underneath that tunnel. And of course, he didn't have any fear of walking across the street. He came here to have a good time. There were no warrants out for his arrest here. He was on good terms with the police here. Um that would be an understatement. And, and, and Hot Springs was considered to be sort of uh, a place where opposing mobs left each other alone so they could all come here and have a good time. Well, let, let me say just a couple of things here, and you correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Mm -hmm. Hot Springs Hot Springs was considered the Valley of the Vapors, and it was a place that the Indians would come and heal for thousands of years. And, and everyone would come. It was a neutral. Even warring tribes wouldn't fight at the, at the, at the Vapors. Is that correct? That's the folklore version of it. But I like now, my version. Modern, I know. It's a, it's a wonderful story, but a lot of that was made up by railroad promoters trying to get people to buy tickets to come to Hot Springs. Really? Uh, uh, Indians, Native Americans didn't normally travel hundreds of miles or long distances to go to some other place to heal. Each group had their own methods in their own locations. Uh now, the, the Native Americans who were around here quite possibly, of course, used the healing power of the thermal waters, but vast numbers of Native Americans from all over the place coming here for the waters is, is a myth. Now, the thing more likely to bring people here or have more contact between among tribes was the Navaculite mining, the Native Americans here, the Caddo 
mine navaculite here, which of course uh, we, we think of as whetstones today, but they used it for arrowheads and cutting tools of various types. And, you know, they can do DNA on minerals. And they found these navaculite Indian artifacts, you know, hundreds of miles away from hot springs and check the DNA in it. And they can say, that was from that mine in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So really? that was part of a tra big trading network among the Native American tribes. Well, and, and here's the deal. As you, as always, people who are involved in this, we just literally hop in and jump on top of it. Let me back up and give some people that have, don't have enough context of the Five Mile High View. There's a creek that runs through the middle of Hot Springs. And that creek basically we call now Bathhouse Row. And it carried hot springs and excrement and all kinds of things out to the to what now the lake or was would have been the river and they they covered that over in the 1800s because it was frankly kind of a mess is that fair enough it it was it was it was a mess it was used for sewage it smelled it was in the way you know you had to have these little bridges and stuff to get from the street to the bathhouses on the on the east side of town and it was a real health hazard so right. the the government funded the putting underground of that creek uh, because it would help the the what was then the Hot Springs Reservation before it became Hot Springs National Park. Yeah, let's go yeah, through the that creek, again. The creek, the creek was a mess. Yeah, we had Tim Ernst on here about uh, two months ago. And one of the things, and it's just my beef, and, and you know, you, you bring up a good point. It's how history is told. What when when you leave it, when you leave history to admin, admin, ad, advertising men, they love to tell you how the Indians came from hundreds of miles, and eh, not quite the truth, right? Well, when you leave the other details to admin, it, the the story sounds so good, right? Up until eh, it's not exactly how it used to be a workout, right? Yeah, that's that's true. And advertising was a huge part of Hot Springs history. The bathhouse owners, the hotel owners, all the businessmen here were always promoting Hot Springs. And sometimes, you know, a good story is a is a way to promote a place. And of course, the best story they had was the healing powers of the thermal water that that was uh firmly believed in by people in the uh, 19th and earliest part of the 20th centuries. Uh, but, you know, before advances in modern medicine, what do you do if you've got severe rheumatism or this or other? The, the waters were the people's last choice, last chance in a way, and people from all over the country came here to take a long series of baths, maybe, you know, it was several weeks long or a couple of months they'd stay. And of course, there was a lot of advertising of the the benefits of the thermal water, and we became a, a health resort. That was the reason yeah. for our existence. Well, and and what I was going to go with with Tim Ernst, one of the the uh, oh, who's the guy that does the documentaries on PBS, uh, the Civil War and so forth, but uh, Ken Burns. He did one about the the national parks, which were no no argument, one of the greatest decisions of the United States ever, no question. Uh, but he made note that that uh, Yellowstone was the first national park, and I'm like, nah. how about the first time they called it a park? We were a national reserve, what fifty years before that, something. Well, since 1832, it was. Oh, and in fact, the speaker on our last monthly meeting talked about this issue and the importance of hot springs in the national park system. And people can go to the Garland County face Garland County Library 
Facebook page or YouTube site and see a recording of that program by Dr. Kane West, who's a National Park Ranger, and find out a whole lot more about that issue. We were one of the first pieces of land reserved for the use of the federal government, which is why it's called a reservation, uh, and it was for future health benefits of people. Uh, but we weren't named a national park until uh, what seven years after the National Park Service was formed. So, but you know when they put out those quarters of the national parks a few years ago, mm-hmm. Hot Springs was the very first quarter they put out. So it always you know, because it was the oldest park. Yeah, we were the oldest yeah. park, no matter what. We and I officially named the first in the national park system when it was created in 1916. But we certainly were devoted. We certainly got reserved for use by the federal government long before Yellowstone was. 1832. Really? Yes. 30 years before the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and the the reason I brought this up today, and Liz, I hope you're happy. You've done it. You're going to have to be a reoccurring guest because you have so (laughs) much information. We would love Uh, to have you again and again and again. Well, I would I would love to. I love to talk about our history. I think it's so fascinating. I think people are really interested in it. Well, they are, no question. And that's one of the things that was driving this conversation. I knew that people had been wanting shows on this And, and particularly to this point, the dark corner. Now, people are like, Uh okay, Dennis, on the map, you have the Cortez Golf Course pulled up. But before it was the Cortez Golf Course, and before there was a, and let me zoom in here, before there was a grave in the middle of the road, uh, right about there, yeah, right about there, before a guy got buried in the middle of the road for eternity, uh, there was an area that you and I would have called the Dark Corner of Garland County. Now, number one, it doesn't look too dark to me, but number two, <laughs> why would they call it that? Yeah, I wish I could. Uh, we got to talk about how I can pull up a map too, but okay. uh, uh, Marble Township was a township that was like twice as big as it is today. And when Garland County was formed in 1873. It was formed mainly from part of Hot Spring County, you know, where Malvern was the county seat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it took a little bit of Montgomery County, and it took half of Marble Township away from Saline County. Hmm. So the eastern part of Marble Township stayed in Saline County, and the western part became Marble Township in Garland County and uh, it became known as the Dark Corner. We can talk about that. But the the people in Marble Township still thought of themselves as one community, just like Hot Springs Village is one community, even though half of it's in Garland County and half of it's in Saline. But uh, yeah, so that's how Marble Township in Garland County got formed. Now, what years are we talking about, roughly? What what that that was? It it was carved out from Saline County in 1873. Now, the land had started to be settled in the late 1830s, 1840s uh, by farmers coming in, and it was never, you know, it was always pretty sparsely populated, Mm -hmm. but they settled mainly in the bottomlands along uh, Bushy Creek, Mill Creek, and uh, the Fork of the Saline River there. Mm Mm-hmm. And farmed the bottomlands. They did some lumbering eventually. 
eventually there was like a stave mill that made wood for barrels in Jesseville. They formed little communities like Marble and Bethlehem and Beaudry and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was at State Farm. I was at Ike Eisenhower's office at State Farm the other day. And I talked to a lady and I said, well, I was outside the gate in the dark corner. And I said, I love Beaudry. And she said, you mean Beaudry? Beaudry. Yeah. And I said, no, Beaudry. She said, no, Beaudry. He was French. And I, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know either. <laughs> I've always called it Beaudry, but I'm kind of ignorant. So I don't know. But, uh, uh, and it was, it was a farming community mainly with a little bit of lumbering. Also, um, in the winter, after the crops were in and before the spring planting, the farmers would often go out and look for quartz crystals. You know, quartz crystals are a big thing up there, sure. always have been. And they would take them to hot springs where there was a market for them. And sometimes they just set their wagon up in the street, one of the hot spring streets on Central Avenue, for example. And we have a picture of somebody doing that, selling crystals off the back of his wagon. Or they'd sell them. We had... Uh, three jewelers here in town. They'd sell them to the local jewelers and they advertised them as hot springs diamonds. They were very popular. And they also used them, they called them lens pebbles and they'd use them for a kind of spectacles too. So oh, hot wow. springs diamonds, those quartz crystals were a good source of cash income for the, sure. you know, cause this was like subsistence farming time. Well, and, and, and let's be frank about it here. Well, so part two, two things, you, you brought up the noviculite earlier, the, the better part of Garland County, Saline County, well, the, this West end of, of Saline County is shattered chert. And it's, if you, if to those of you that aren't familiar, if, if you look at it, it's kind of a clay like rock that will shatter very easy and can make some kind of sharp edges. And you think, well, that's convenient for, for, uh, uh for, for, uh, Indian heads, arrowheads and so forth. Yeah. But it's not so convenient if you're trying to grow field road crops, it doesn't do that so great. Right. Mm-hmm. So, no, so, I'm, of course, I'm not an expert on any of that at all, but, uh, well, but tell me why, where did we get the name dark corner? Where did that come from? Do you know, is there an etymology on well, that? Well, well, we have our best guess. Uh, of course, it was a very isolated part of the county with no big urban eras, uh, uh, urban centers in it. It's hard to get to. The people were very independent and didn't like people coming in telling them what to do. They didn't like their neighbors telling them what to do. I think these were feisty folks. Sounds familiar. And, and uh, there were uh, there was some moonshining going on. This was even long before prohibition. You know, uh, people felt, you know, farmers provided for themselves. You know, they they raised their hogs and made their own bacon, and they they were self sufficient in many ways. And it would they thought it was just normal to what they call run some whiskey and make a little whiskey for personal consumption or for medicinal purposes. And they did not approve of the government trying to tax that. So there was that kind of moonshining going on, which was still illegal. And well, but, but had... just, just to interject just for a second, the same way that beer came about is the same way that moonshine came about. And that is monks were watching their grain just go to rot because you couldn't mm -hmm. eat it all within a certain time frame. 
you could make bread out of it or you could do something later and you made beer. Well, that's what the monks did in Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, here in the in in the 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 hills of the woods, corn didn't grow year round. We had good crops, but as soon as you were through growing corn, you had to make it through February or March till something till March till something started coming out of the ground again. And and turning it into whiskey was a way to make high calorie alcohol and and money. And and you could preserve that grain you have left over that wouldn't turn into to rot come the spring, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it was just part of the economy of the the farmstead in a way. And uh, like I said, it wasn't huge commercial productions or whatever, but there was some of that going on that they, you know, if federal tax collectors came around, they were not very friendly to. Uh, and there were occasional uh, shootings, killings, family feuds, and things like that. And he got this this tough reputation. Now, there's a wonderful man named William A. Satali, who was uh, from that area. There's a Tally Cemetery up there. And uh, he wrote a, a paper in uh, 1908 giving the history of the Dark Quarter. And he said he did it in particular uh, so people would form a more favorable opinion of us people who have been branded as ignorant heathen cutthroats. So, and uh, he, he didn't mince that, any words, did he? Yeah, he pointed out that uh, he thought the name Dark Corner had been invented by a prominent farmer there named T. N. White. Uh, no way to prove that, and. Uh, but he says the first time it appeared in print was in November 19th, 1893, in an article printed in uh, the Hot Springs Daily Graphic, which was the Hot Springs newspaper. And people just took it up. They 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 liked that term. The dark corner. Even, even though there was a, you know, a lot more to marvel than that kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Kind of that rough side. There were churches and friendly people and all kinds of good stuff, too. Well, well, you're talking about the early 1800s where there was train travel, but it wasn't in Marvel, Arkansas. And so, train travel? No. Well, yeah, but I mean, the, there was train travel in Europe or in, in the oh, northeast oh, yeah. part of the United States, but it, it certainly wasn't in Marvel, Arkansas. And, and no, the reason in fact, I bring the first train came into Hot Springs in 1876. Really? After the yeah. war? After the war? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and where I'm going with that is, is that, you know, the fastest speed you were going to go anywhere was on the back of a horse. Is that right? That's exactly right. So you tend to you tended to not go too far at a time, right? No. And I mean, coming into town to Hot Springs was a huge trip, particularly because that that's a big area. You know, if you come from the farthest corner of Marble Township, you know, that's several more miles. And people would come into Hot Springs and, uh, you know, they couldn't do their shop and turn around and go back. They'd stay in a wagon yard and they would uh, not find a, they would actually stay in the wagon yard instead of like hotels or boarding houses. They were set up so that you could rent space in like a big barn thing that was there. There was one on Park Avenue, kind of across from where the Bill Clinton Boyd home is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in particular, they might have used because that would be in the way. Uh, they would bring bedding. They would bring food. The women would bring their Dutch ovens and uh, they'd cook. And they kind of like camp out in this big barn type area. And then they'd sell the produce they'd raised. They'd buy anything that uh, they couldn't produce themselves. They'd enjoy the sights of the town and stay here a day or two or three and then uh, take their wagon back home. So the term pack a lunch was was very literal, right? You didn't yeah. just 
You didn't just drive into Hot Springs for 30 minutes or for an hour. You, 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 and it no, could be a multi day no. event. It could be a multi day event. Uh, distances were something like uh, the first church up there, the uh, Old Marble Baptist Church, was formed in 1848, which was really, really early. And of course, it's uh, the oldest church started in that part of the county of several counties. That's a really, really old one. It's still there today. And when it was formed, they'd meet once a month and people would come from as far as 30 miles around and they'd have preaching and church business meetings all day Saturday. And they just camp out Saturday night. They'd have a sunrise service the next morning and then people would spread out and go home. You know, distances were something. Well, now let, let me, and for those of you that don't know, uh, because I know we're spoiled by today's modern technologies, the the trot of a horse, the the you know, thirty miles on the back of a horse on a buckboard, on a on a wagon, on a whatever, was the better part of a day's journey, right? I mean, a day, maybe two days' journey, right? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. to go to church. Mm-hmm. Once a and, month, and of course it was. It was a social occasion, too, that I'm sure people look forward to very much. Exchange news, meet your relatives and old friends you hadn't seen for a month, and uh, community events. People people loved to get together, and they really, like you said, faced great transportation problems to do it, but it's what you did. Well, Diane's uh, great-great-grandfather is from Buckville. And oh, we took Buckville. A, yeah, we took a drive up to Buckville, which is now partly underwater, partly under mm-hmm. part of the uh, the uh, Ozark of the, the Washtenaw uh, Lake, Lake Washtenaw. And I remember thinking, now the, the rest of her family lives in in Donaldson, just south of, of or north of Arkadelphia, south of Malvern. And I'm thinking, you know, to get by horse or or any type of means from from uh, uh, Donaldson or, or or the Malvern area to Buckville was a multi-day event. You did mm-hmm. not just come sliding in, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Tell I, me, people okay. lose sight of that today. Yeah. Well, okay. So, and you, Liz, you really, and, and I know we, I got to be respectful of your time. I've got about 10 minutes to wrap up and then I know you need to run to another meeting. Tell me about what happened when the train came in to Hot Springs, because that had to be a, a game changer. Oh, oh, it was. Uh, before then, uh, there was uh, people took a train to Little Rock, the Iron Mountain, from there to Malvern. Then they switched trains at Malvern to the Hot Springs Railroad, newly built, which took them, well, at Malvern, excuse me, at Malvern, they had to get off and take the El Paso stagecoach into Hot Springs, you know, 14 miles over a bumpy, bumpy road. Now, for a tourist resort, this is not an efficient way to get lots of of people into your town. So a man named Diamond Joe Reynolds, uh, decided to build a railroad, and he did in 1876. And, oh, it was a beautiful thing, mahogany, red velvet curtains. Oh, and it really, I had land. It was was gorgeous. I had land on Lonsdale Creek, and the railroad railroad came right down behind that. It paralleled the old Lonsdale Highway. Mm -hmm. So the railroad allowed so many more people to come easily. And, of course, you know, materials and things, too. 
and uh, then another one, and its oh, its station was where the convention center is now. And later, what became the Missouri Pacific Line came in uh, around 1902. I'm oversimplifying here because I mean railroads morphed together and had different names. It's very confusing, but it became the Murray, Missouri Pacific, and its depot was where Transportation Plaza is in Hot Springs today. And that was that was a game changer. Can you imagine in the early days when people really believed they needed to take the thermal waters for having a hope of cure or relief from pain? Even taking a stagecoach from Little Rock back in the day, it would be like a 16 or 17 hour trip, and particularly in the 1850s and 60s and early 70s over really, of course, the roads weren't paved or anything, bumpy, bumpy, hilly stuff. Think how much you must have needed the hope of those thermal waters for a sick person or a very arthritic person to make a journey like that. Well, it shows the power of the thermal waters and and, and people to two things. People ask today, well, why don't we have the thermal waters? Why can't you get in them? Number one, they'll scald you. Number two, they're radioactive. But, you know, skip past those couple of details. I think our audience, the last little teaser I want is why don't you tell people I'd love to hear and maybe I'm mistaken. Tell me what a drummer is. On a, on a train. Oh, okay. And when I come back next time, I also want to tell you about moonshine during Prohibition up in the dark corner. Oh, man, I can't wait. Then. Okay. Okay. Drummers were people who would meet visitors on the train or as soon as they got off the train or get into town, and they would steer them to certain doctors, hotels, or bathhouses. They'd say, oh, you're, oh well, the, the best, you have to go to this guy. Well, they were paid to bring these people in. And, and baths were given by pres- doctor's prescriptions then, so it was important for a doctor to uh, to get these people. Now, they would often, uh, doctors were split. Half of them thought this was an evil system, and the other half said, no, this is going to make me money. I'm going to do it. And these uh, these drummers would steer people often to quiet doctors or to bad hotels that would overcharge them or boarding houses. And uh, it was a terrible system. People complained about it. Uh, a little ordinance was passed here and there, but it took decades for it to be stamped out. Well, now you had drummers, if I'm not mistaken, there were drummers that would come from Chicago and they would ride the train system. Oh, yes. Yes. With other people. And they would, they hundreds would befriend, of miles. They would befriend people coming to Hot Springs for medical treatment on the train journey and say, well, you know, I went to this doctor and he was so good and he helped me and. You know, it my was, goodness. Well, I want to tell you, drumming was called a very big evil. Yes, I, I can imagine. Well, but I want to tell you that I've, you know, when you go to the, for for those that we, if we piqued your interest a little, number one, we want to go to the Garland County Hysterical Society, which I will come back to real quick. And we joke it's the Historical Society, but you'll remember that uh, they have a great program here where you can go to the website and search. You could actually search for the dark corner. And it will have issues there that we see lined up. Uh, uh oh, am I not sharing no. that screen? I'm not sharing oh, okay. that screen. Yeah, give me one second here. Sorry, uh, but but you can actually go to the Garland County Historical Society and go through their archives or look through part of their archives. The best way, though, is that 
We need members. Is that correct? Am I am I on the right? Uh, button? We are supported by the community, and members receive a copy of our annual journal, the oh. record. If you go into store, you'll see it. I think. Okay. Okay. Uh, there, the record 2022 is in. It's a wonderful book really it's it's usually you know 160 to 200 pages with uh-huh. articles each year about different aspects of garland county history and we are the county historical society not the hot springs you know we are interested in and we try to record and educate about the history of the whole county not just hot springs but members of course get a copy of the journal and we're working on some other benefits of membership and they really help us to continue our preservation and our education work. And they can go to our website and join through the website, or they can just contact me here at the Historical Society. I tell you what, we're going to have your email address listed below, if you don't mind. Is that okay? Oh, that's great. Sure. And and we'll give you the phone number. Uh, the Country Doctors of Arkansas. I can see a half dozen books here already. I, I would have to. This is so interesting. Yeah, some, of the, some of these we published ourselves and others we acquired for resale because we thought people would be interested in. Sure. Country Doctors of Arkansas is by a wonderful man named Dr. Sam Taggart, who I bet your listeners would love to hear you interview. Well, I'd love to. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know he was still alive. I, I will say, and Liz, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've wanted to do this since I met Clive in a parking lot three years ago. (laughs) And he's a wonderful guy. We want to have him and you on again soon real quick. When you come back, you're going to tell us about moonshining in the dark corner. Okay. Yes. And I want to invite people to our meeting at the Garland County Library on February 21st. That's Uh the third Tuesday of the month, uh, which is going to be another program uh, that tells about the well, it's, it's about Hot Springs National Park and its importance in the health community and all kinds of interesting things that people don't know about it. So they Wonderful. can also live stream it. Okay, great. I mean, let me before and so we'll publish this show in time for that event. Let me let me also just cut to the chase real quick. So that, what I had heard was, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe we'll leave a teaser here before we go to the next one. But the dark corner was where people would go when they were on the lamb. Is that correct? When they what? When they were on the lamb, I mean, if you got in oh. trouble in Hot Springs, which oh. was oh, was a pretty yeah. insular place, you would go to the dark corner and kind of hide out. Oh, you could do that, and people would not want to cooperate with law enforcement from outside the county. There was one local man named Aiken, who, when he was sixteen, was visiting somebody down in Texas, and they had too much to drink. They were saying goodbye to a train at the depot and people were just shooting in the air while he shot and killed somebody accidentally. And uh, he was put into the pen, escaped after two years and came back home to the dark corner. And everybody knew he just lived the rest of his life up there. He said he'd plow his field with a six gun in his belt and his shotgun by the fence pole. And uh, he just... And people knew he was up there, but they didn't really want to come up here and drag him back out again. And eventually, he, you know, after he lived a lifetime up here and raised kids here and everything, the Texas governor gave him a pardon. As, you, as you're prone to do after you've lived out your life, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Liz, it has been truly, seriously, a delight. Thank you for being with us oh, today. Okay? Thank you for having me. I love for people to find out about our society and about our wonderful history and become a part of it. And and I tell you what, if there's ever a good charitable cause, the Hot Spring, excuse me, the Garland County Historical Society, great folks give their time and effort and 
pay pay their own way. Is that fair enough? <laughs> That's fair enough. Thank you okay. so much, Dennis. Thanks, Liz. We'll see you next time, dear. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.